Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, editor of Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Joining me is Brendan Noonan from our communications team. We're pleased to have with us today attorney Chris Massenberg from the law firm of Sweatman Baxter Massenberg with offices in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and New Orleans, Louisiana. Chris is a founding partner of the firm and manages the Hattiesburg office. His practice focuses primarily on environmental, toxic tort, products liability, construction, and commercial trucking litigation. Today's topic is on current litigation involving asbestos, and Brendan Noonan will lead off with our first question. Chris, can you provide some history on the uh, asbestos MDL and and what that is? Certainly, Brendan. I'd be glad to. Basically, the MDL 875, which is asbestos product liability litigation, was started in July of 1991. It consolidated cases that were pending throughout the country in federal courts into one large docket. That docket, of course, grew since asbestos litigation existed since the 1970s and has only grown larger over the years. The MDL docket grew year after year after year. The approach in the asbestos MDL has always been to try to resolve those claims without need of trial and significant litigation. It's basically been a settlement docket for many years, or at least that was its intention from its inception. Several attempts by lawyers in the state and federal courts, and of course also from our federal legislature uh, over the years, have been made to resolve asbestos cases in mass. There were several cases consolidated back in 1993 into a class action, and throughout the years, through various appeals in the decision Amchem Products, Inc. versus Windsor, federal U.S. Supreme Court broke up that class certification in 1997. Also, around that time and since that time, the federal legislature has tried in multiple ways through the Fairness and Asbestos Compensation Act of 1999, the Asbestos Compensation Act of 2000, and the Fairness and Asbestos Injury Resolution, or the FAIR Act, of 2006 to consolidate and make a giant settlement of all asbestos claims. All of those attempts by the legislature, the Senate, and the House have failed to date. And so what's left in the MDL has largely been uh, what it was from the beginning, a housing of all of the various asbestos cases that have sat dormant for years, waiting for somebody to ride in on a white horse, so to speak, and start to resolve these cases. Unfortunately, what ended up happening in the MDL was that these cases just sat dormant year after year, and essentially it became a stopping point for all cases. Litigation essentially ended when the case was removed to the federal MDL. Both the plaintiff's bar and the defense bar knew that, understood it, and always accepted it as such. Chris, why is this such a hot topic, and which states overall are most impacted? Well, John, I guess the reason why this has become such a hot topic is because of the addition of District Judge Eduardo Rubrino. He came on in the latter part of 2008 and essentially woke up a dormant group of litigation. Both the asbestos plaintiff's bar and defense bar had previously viewed the MDL as a black hole for asbestos litigation. Of the thousands or hundreds of thousands of claims that went into the middle district of uh, Eastern District of Pennsylvania, the MDL, Uh, They all sat dormant for years and years. They essentially died. And the state court cases took predominance. Those were the cases that were litigated. Those were the cases that were settled. When Judge Rubrino took over after Judge Weiner and Judge Giles stepped aside, 
he immediately tried to start clearing this very clogged docket, and he has done so with successive orders that he entered starting in 2008. He's cleared literally millions of claims off of the MDL docket. With the clearing of these claims, many good cases that sat dormant have now come to the surface. And so the court clearing millions of cases off the docket has also brought back thousands of viable claims that now need to be dealt with. And Judge Rubrino, along with another district court judge and four other magistrate judges that Judge Rubrino has set up to handle these thousands of claims, are setting discovery deadlines. They're setting expert deadlines. They're setting settlement conferences, which are most important. And they've also set up a procedure whereby any of the attorneys involved will eventually be able to either try those cases in the federal court in Pennsylvania or have the cases remanded back to their original federal jurisdiction and tried there. Chris, is the sheer volume of these cases unusual? Oh, absolutely. Uh, there's not been any other litigation like asbestos litigation since there has been litigation. There have literally been millions of lawsuits over the years of claims related to asbestos personal injury. They started back in the 1970s when you started seeing a lot of diagnosis of cancer-related asbestos claims and claims for asbestosis, which of course is a disease caused by exposure to asbestos. As I said before, the MDL has handled millions of these claims. That doesn't even count the other hundreds of thousands of claims that have existed in state courts throughout the country. To give you an idea, since Judge Rubrino has taken over the MDL just in 2008, over eight and a half million claims have been dismissed by the court. There are still pending over 40,000 cases, and of course within those cases several claims exist, but 40,000 cases still exist in the MDL in spite of Judge Rubrino's diligent efforts to clear that docket. Those cases exist all over the country with the exception of only two states. The majority of the cases, however, exist in just four jurisdictions, that being Mississippi, Virginia, New York, and Texas. In those states alone, cases originating from those four states, 70%, or about 28,000 of those cases, are pending. So it's a monstrous volume of cases, and that still exists even after the two years of docket clearing that has gone on by Judge Rubrino and the other district and magistrate judges on the cases. Uh, how about the timeline for completing all this? Is it, is it realistic or is it aggressive? <laughs> it's very aggressive, but I do believe that it's realistic in a sense. What the judge has basically set up as far as the timeline goes is that for MDL cases essentially end with the remand of the cases back to their original federal jurisdictions. For example, I'm in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. We have several cases that are in the southern district of Mississippi, about over 3,000 claims, in fact, which eventually, if not resolved by settlement or voluntary dismissal, will be remanded for trial at some point by the MDL court. What the judge has set up is that from July of this year through August of 2011, numerous cases from the jurisdictions throughout the country will go through discovery phases, they will attempt to resolve the cases via motions for summary judgment, which the court has set forth a schedule for those. If the cases are not dismissed via summary judgment or voluntarily, those cases will go to settlement conferences, which are mandatory settlement conferences. And at those conferences, if they're not able to be resolved via settlement, 
then the court will consider remand when someone files a motion to remand, and uh, they'll be remanded back to the state federal court of original jurisdiction. Basically, by sometime shortly after August of 2011, so another year away, most of these cases will either be dismissed or be remanded back out of the federal MDL and will essentially clear that docket of all old cases. Of course, new cases will still continue to come into the MDL. But by the court's estimate, the court wants their docket cleared of old cases by 2011. That is extremely aggressive, considering that since 1991, that docket has only grown larger. Over the last two years, as I said before, it shrunk significantly. But still, to try to get rid of 40,000-plus cases in another year is very aggressive. But the way Judge Rubrino and his other judges have worked, it is conceivable that at least by 2012, the majority of these old cases will be off the MDL docket. And, Chris, what percentage of the cases do you think might be dismissed or settled in the end? Oh, I'd say uh, easily 99% of the cases will be gone, dismissed voluntarily due to lack of any significant exposure from a specific defendant's asbestos product or via settlement. A handful of the 40,000-plus cases may actually go to trial, although that is still very doubtful. But still to say a handful out of 40,000, I think, is a pretty safe assessment. What do insurance companies need to be aware of here? Well, of course, what's most important to the insurance companies is what do I have to do about these liabilities? These things have been sitting dormant for most insurers for several years, if not a decade or more, and now these cases have become alive. The benefit, of course, is that a large number of thousands of claims have been dismissed for no payment and no liability has been assessed, and they're probably gone forever. But the few that have survived now have to be dealt with. Currently, discovery is proceeding in those cases where the witnesses, the plaintiffs, and experts are being deposed, and the court is requiring mandatory settlement conferences. Those settlement conferences have already begun, and some are even occurring. I'm going to attend a settlement conference in just a couple of weeks up in Philadelphia for one of our clients. Now, there are different magistrate judges that Judge Rubrino will assign specific cases to. For example, mine is, uh, my settlement conference this month is in front of Judge Hay, and she does not require that the insurer be present at the settlement, but does require that somebody with settlement authority be available by phone. The plaintiff's attorneys have begun submitting settlement demands for the first time in these cases for many in years, and so now the insurers are having to take a look at these claims, decide how viable they are, and whether they want to attempt to settle them at this time. And so as the next year progresses and the settlement conferences come up as discovery is completed in these cases, I believe you'll see a lot of uh, settlements going on for those that are identified, those products that have been identified. And when they do deal with the settlements, you're going to be dealing with settlements of large numbers of plaintiffs, not necessarily one claim at a time, but maybe uh, tens or hundreds or maybe for some even thousands of claims at one time. And, of course, that's significant to insurers and to the companies involved. Also, the issue of punitive damages and whether or not if a case is not resolved successfully and therefore remanded back to the various federal courts in the states of original jurisdiction, some of those claims have punitive damages in the local states. However, Judge Rubrino has not decided. He's bifurcated or separated 
the punitive damage claims from the other claims at this point and has not ruled at this time as to whether or not when the cases are remanded back to the various federal courts in the different states, those punitive damages will survive. Of course, if there are no punitive damages, for some cases in some states, that makes the claims worth much less. And so Judge Rubrino's order on that, when it occurs, will be of great interest to many people. And Chris, how do you see this all playing out over the next few years? Well, I think that considering this litigation in the MDL alone has been going on for almost 20 years, that what we've seen in the last two years has been very impressive. I think that an August 2011 or even 2011 goal to get rid of the old MDL cases is very ambitious, but it is possible. More than likely, by the end of 2012, we will likely see a, the vast majority of the old federal MDL, asbestos MDL cases, dismissed, settled, or remanded to state court. The important thing is once they go to state court, it's going to be up to the individual courts there to decide how quickly those cases go to trial and whether any additional settlement conferences or discovery needs to proceed before a trial begins. So of the millions of claims and hundreds of thousands of individual cases that existed in the MDL, I think probably in the next two years that will be reduced by 90 to 95 percent, and that's quite a tribute to Judge Rubrino's hard work and what the court is doing. Okay, terrific. Thanks so much for joining us today, Chris. Okay, guys. Thank you. That was Chris Massenberg from the law firm of Sweatman Baxter Massenberg with offices in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and New Orleans, Louisiana. Special thanks to Brenda Noonan from our communications team and to our producer, Brian Cohen. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, visit podcast.insuranceattorneysearch.com or go to online directories such as iTunes or Google or Yahoo's podcast directory. If you have any suggestions for a future topic, please email us at lawpodcast.ambest.com. I'm John Zuba, joined by Brendan Noonan, and now this message. Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is used by decision makers at insurance companies responsible for selecting legal counsel and representation. The printed directory is distributed annually to insurance companies, non-insurance companies, third-party administrators, and corporate counsel around the world, and the online edition is accessible throughout the year. Your listing in Best's directory of recommended insurance attorneys is the most effective way to ensure that thousands of potential clients have access to your outstanding credentials. Here's why you should be listed in the number one insurance attorney reference. Your firm's credentials will be listed in our comprehensive reference guide, which is made available to thousands of insurance professionals globally, both in print and online. AMBEST listees are recognized as the most qualified in their field to represent the unique needs of insurance companies. Key decision makers rely on the directory to take the guesswork out of their selection process. They know that only the best are listed, those firms with a proven track record of excellence who are recommended by their insurance industry clients. And remember, one low rate guarantees year long visibility for your firm. We invite you to use our web application process to apply for a listing today. With our reasonable rates and broad exposure, there's no more effective way to get the attention of the insurance industry. For more information about Best's Directory of Recommended Insurance Attorneys, visit www.insuranceattorneysearch.com.